Change Mouth Podcast, everybody. Okay, whether you're driving, cooking dinner, you might be out running, I don't know, you're in the gym, you're lying on a beach, we're slightly envious if you are, or just simply chilling on your bed. Once again, thank you for your company. Now, my guest today is one of the world's truly rare talents. She was awarded an MBE from the Queen for services to music, performed on Band Aid 20 Christmas single. She starred in West End shows and even jumped on a private jet with Prince. I can, of course, only be talking of the most famous night after Kit's driver Hasselhoff himself. Yes, it's Wolverhampton's <laughs> own pocket rocket superstar. It's Beverly Knight, everybody. Come on. Let's bring it up. A little reference there. I mean, who would have thought we'd get a reference into Knight Rider? I mean, of all those years ago with Mr. Mr. Hasselhoff. There you go. Uh, thank you, uh, Beverly, for coming in. This is such an honour to, to say the least. This is on the back of, we were just talking just before we yeah. uh, started recording. Uh, literally this morning, so it's quite fortuitous, you just literally the last few days been on BBC Radio 2 you're on there a lot you was on there with Zoe Ball now I've heard you perform several times I've seen yeah. it, and you always to overuse a phrase goosebumps it's always tingly to say the very least what I saw <laughs> on BBC Radio 2 at the Zoe Ball show and, and, and Jeff just to give you a reason Jeff Goldman you'd find find the clip you have to uh, Jeff Goldman was there in the studio he must have seen everything he's been around for God knows how many years he is dumbstruck as he's listening to this. And I've only seen a clip and I understand because I was talking to James, your hubby as well. And even he said it was extra special. So it's special. Aww. But how did you feel about when you did, when you do something like that, did you feel, yeah, that was special? We turned up at Radio 2 and all we could think of was, God, it's early. It's early to be singing. It's really early. We're doing four songs. I was excited because I knew Jeff Goldblum would be there and Himesh Patel and the lovely man who won Bake Off, lovely David. I knew it'd be a nice atmosphere, but it's hard to try to get people going in the morning. So I thought, well, we just got to have banger after banger and then everybody will wake up. And uh, traditionally on that show, you got to do a cover at the end. And so I thought, right, okay, Rolling Stones, Satisfaction, because I love that song, love the Stones. And, you know, we rehearsed it a couple of times, but just, it, there was just a really great energy in the room and you feed off the energy. There's got to be a call for that to mad. be released. It's There's hard. got to, honestly, I kid you <laughs> not, because it's not just a, oh a normal God. version of it. Did you do, because um, I, I need to look at all of it now because I only found it this yeah. morning. Um, but is it Come As You Are? I did my song, Come As You Are. I did Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda. I did the single, the current single, Now or Never. And then I did the Rolling Stones, Satisfaction. Because the, the current single is off BK25. That's Presumably, right. right? Uh, that represents 25 years. Yeah. In the music business. Yeah. And you're not slowing down. In fact, actually, I would strongly say, if anything, it's almost mm. like there's a new surge of Beverly Knight coming around. You've always been yeah. around. You've always been very always present. Always done my thing, yeah. Are you doing something differently? Do you want to really make an even more of a bang because you've been 25 years in the business? Mm -hmm. what? There seems to be something different here. I've kind of said, okay... 25 years, this album's put a line underneath that 25 years and said, yay, that was great. And now the Lambo needs to go into seventh gear. That's how I see it. So the next 25 years are going to be supersonic. That's my mindset. You're full pelt right now. And on that level, because obviously fundamentally this is a health and a fitness podcast kind of, but it's also delving into some kind of positive mental health too. Because yes. in, in order for you to do what you've done over the last 
25 years you need a particular mindset there's yeah, no question that i mean and, and to be right. able to 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 get up and continue to do and and the level that you do it at i mean i don't know whether mm-hmm. you keep your age a secret or anything else like that uh, no, you look so no, young no. i mean do you want to tell everybody at, at this current moment yeah. i am 46 years of age now listen if you <laughs> you'll see the first picture because you might be listening from instagram whatever the case is there's just no way that you are and it's not I just am. it's not just but it's I not am. it's not just how you look but it's I always think age is an energy. I call age is an energy. It's yes, nothing it is. else. Age is yeah. an energy. Yeah. So if age was an energy, right, you're 18. There's no question. <laughs> right? Now, I believe that purpose gives you a, a lot of that. But purpose can only drive you so far before actually age will catch up and you burn out. So your health and fitness plays a huge part in your everyday life. Absolutely. Right? The whole idea of age being an energy is so correct for a start. And the health and the fitness is the bedrock for what I do. If I didn't have really good health, if I wasn't in the best shape I can be all the time and, you know, physically, if I didn't maintain my fitness, I'd be in all kinds of trouble. You cannot maintain a schedule Cause, cause without what, no, it. No, you can't. You I, can't. I, I agree. You can't, can't drive, you can't drive your car at the pace it was designed to do unless you put the right fuel in. Exactly. The ambition that you have, if anybody reached even a tenth of what you've achieved so far, they'd probably go, hey, I made it. I'm done. But your ambition level is so high, so global, it's so there. And this is why you're so strict on your diet and exercise. Yeah. And you are, and you're very regimental. And it does help because, of course, your husband, James, who I know really well as yeah. well, um, he's incredibly regimental. It helps the fact that he's one of the best looking guys. I hate him, uh. right? And, he's, and he's, <laughs> he's just one of the, you know, but he is, but it pays off. You can see that. You can see both. And it must help that both of you, because mm-hmm. if one of you wasn't and this, that, and the other, but you're, you, you, both of you are into your diet and exercise, yeah. which I think must yeah. help. So what's a day in the life of Beverly Knight, right? A good day. I mean, we all have a no, little moment, but on average, Average day. An average day, wake up, you know, what's your routine? Because people will go, do you know what? I just want to model. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's rather invent your own tune. Actually, if I model Bev, I'm going to have a bit of energy. Oh, bless. So what, so what do you, what's your day in the life? So you do, you know, wake up, pint of water straight in the mouth, got to be done, you know. You say got to be done. A lot of people don't know that. But to flush the system out as soon as you wake up is one of the best pieces, weirdly, of, I call it nutrition advice. There's no nutrition in what, but you know, mm-hmm. nutrition advice. It's, so you do that. That's the first thing. Do you add lemon to it or anything like that? Um, well, no, because I've got the little. I see that. Well, little. See, little. Look at the size we've of got, your. We've got to have so, a little bit of water by the, you know, bedside table, whatever. Get that down. We have our little uh, kind of um, amino acid mineral kind of little shot thing, like a little Do you add that to the water or do you? Oh, no, have, you have that it, by, you have itself. It by itself. Okay. Little and is it like vitamins and minerals? Thing. What's in there? It's Just got like a condensed. Minerals, amino acids and algaes and all, all of that, that stuff. good stuff. I have a lovely probiotic as well that I take. I've got, you know, there's a, there's a range of supplements. And do you eat and then exercise or exercise then eat? Oh, I, I like to exercise when I'm on a fasted state. Yeah, I, like I do to just the same. Yeah, on a, on a, yeah. There'll be heavy weights, there'll be high intensity as well. Heavy weights are really important now that I'm, you know, in my mid to later 40s. Very, but that's a really good point. Really important. Is that I don't think enough is said about the different decades that we go through and the yeah. different requirements of the human body. Yeah. And I haven't been into weights. Weights, I wish I was, but I know now I've turned 50. I have to be now. Got to. You know, this is the thing. And I am, I'm more than aware of that. But when you're first starting, for those listening and, and thinking, well, I better get into weights now. Would you, would you say, don't go mental on the don't. first day? Don't because you can't move for five days. Oh afterwards. my God. And then you'll be like, Oh, forget <laughs> it. And then of course, all the great 
energy and and all the great intention just drops off well, because you're like I it does I, do, I go mad because of course when you haven't done weights for a while it's like when you haven't run for a while you can pick up and you think oh this is fantastic I can do this I can yeah and then literally for the next three four days I think well, who would ever put this exactly through this pain? so you have and to then build I never up do to it, it. <laughs> and you can't you can't you can't but it's so important to have heavy weights to promote the testosterone levels you do your weights um, yeah. in the morning and then what breakfast thereafter and then I will eat at some point after, get some form of protein down me, like a protein shake or yeah. something like that. Uh, but a first proper meal, it can go from, you know, sometime past uh, earliest, past 11, yeah. right the way through to maybe two, two or something. Because yeah. Yeah. you've satisfied the body. That's what people don't understand is that they, because most people are overfed and undernourished. Yeah. But when you've genuinely given the body what it actually needs, yeah. which is why you're not, your body's not craving something more because it it's already been fed. So by two o'clock, you think, well, actually, I'll tap into that now and get something yeah, else. Yeah, now I'll, now I'll have something. And, and then do you do, do, you do lunch? Do you do... So it'll be... It, it might be what people would consider to be breakfast. To me, breakfast, lunch, whatever. It's just about breaking that fast is so important. What, yeah, You've you got to break, break it, fast, it yeah. correctly. Yeah. So I'm not going to put a load of carbohydrates, spike my insulin levels and, you know, my blood sugars go all over the place. I make sure I break it with a good protein, lots and lots of great veg, something raw yeah. as well. Quite like um, sauerkraut. I quite like that, and uh, some clean fish and and well, I've, you know veggies. Well, I've been out. I, I've been out. With, down. I've been out with you uh, quite a few times. You yeah. and James and everything else, and I've and I've seen how strict is the wrong word because actually it's your lifestyle, so it's wrong to say that. It's but you're very conscious of this, and I know yeah. personally that because some people say this is what I do, and then they don't. I know for a fact, Beverly. Does this to the left? There's no question. Alcohol doesn't really play any part in your life. No, it does. And it's all of these things that, that that add up to the the amount of energy that you have. Now, I first met Bev just to give you some history here. Many years ago, I was running a retreat in Turkey, not our current mountain retreat. It was one that we used to hire. I had its own private island. We didn't own it. Um, and she came along with her then non-husband, James. This was a long time ago. It has so much meaning for me that particular week i mean that week was special well you think of how many thousands of weeks we've run since it is still to this day i would say the most memorable week we've had mm. and for a few reasons uh my mom was there your mom was there my mom was exactly. there i didn't know Bev, so i can't believe that beverly knight was coming i was beside myself oh, at the time. but i was Aww. i really was i was like oh my god but at, at the end of the week there was a few people there that had said oh my god Beverly Knight's here and this that and the other and nobody had asked you to sing of course everybody secretly thought wouldn't it be the best kind of degree of magic on planet earth but I remember you getting up on that final night and it made my mum as well I and mean, that's why it's so important as well and for me and Gold if you haven't listened to Beverly Knight's track Gold which is one of my favourite I mean it's hard Thank to pick you. your favourite but the words are beautiful in that song and you sang, I think, about four or five tracks, actually. Acapella, which, I mean, who does that? Um, which is, which actually, Me, you like are, it. but you acapella is better than you with music. I mean, it's, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's almost like it's interfering with the main instrument, oh, you know, this. genuinely. And when you started singing that and you changed the words of gold and you put mm. my name in and I was yeah. crying like a puppy. And then we fast forward to literally a couple of months ago at Juicy Oasis now. And again, at the end of the week, we did 80 spin and you went, I oh, just feel in the mood to sing. Don't let me stop you. <laughs> and then literally <laughs> the going home tour. And the clips on my Instagram for anybody who wants to look at that. The, the people so were dumbstruck. And then you had to leave. He was like, I'm just going to do this. Yeah, I had to go. <laughs> I mean, genuinely incredible. So that's, that's how I've got to know Beverly over the years. But, and I thought I knew her. And then what happens is just before I do a podcast is that 
we just kind of Google or whatever the case is, just have a little look. And I don't look at it before I do a podcast. Yeah. And then I've started looking through, as we're speaking now and everything, I'm thinking, so when I was writing the intro, and bear this in mind, one million albums, you know, three, <laughs> everything that you've done, going, going 25 years, everything else. Um, it's a long old time. It's, yeah, but you've achieved <laughs> so much. So 1998, right? Yeah. So you're at the Jazz Cafe. Yes. Okay. Somebody popped. <laughs> Somebody popped. Into, into into your dressing room. Yes, who I'd, I'd, I'd spotted him from the stage. To be fair, who just po- who just popped in? David Bowie walked in with a man and Joe, who who was young, very young at the time. And I, I remember I was on stage and I was singing and I was doing my thing. And I look up and I see this absolutely stunning woman, like ridiculously <laughs> stunning woman, standing on a chair in the Jazz Cafe balcony, waving her arms, going mad. And I'm like, that looks like Iman. That's David Bowie. <laughs> hey? And so I'm like, right, okay. But so wasn't I go it, wasn't back into the, my... Yeah, go on. Yeah, go back, I go back into my performance. And then at the end, you know, dressing room and the Just Cafe dressing rooms back then was horrible. Not the door. In walks David Bowie, cash-like. And I'm like, oh my God, it's David Bowie. And we just have a lovely chat about music. And he's so nice about my voice and everything. And yeah, he was the first, one of the biggest, most influential stars ever, who got behind my music and was really vocal about it. You know, would tell everybody this, this. And of course, he was the first to to refer to you, wasn't he, as Little Aretha? Yeah, he used to call me Little Aretha. (laughs) You're so humble. You underplay everything. I think obviously your upbringing in Wolverhampton plays a huge part to that. Massively. You give back a lot to, to, to Wolverhampton. You mentioned Wolverhampton. Hampton lot it is your is your home you feel at home when you're there and mm. you've recently done I mean I'm, I'm going to push people now listening to this podcast to another podcast so it's the Paracelsus it's, it's spelled P-A-R-A-C-E-L-U-S recovery Paracelsus recovery podcast is about mental health and yeah. you were invited on to talk about mental health because for those who don't know Beverly lost her father and and various other aspects through, throughout her life because mental health is just as important as physical health and they said look here's what we'll do is that we will give ten thousand pounds to the charity of your choice mm-hmm. if you come on and talk about it. So yeah. you did, and then just talk us through who you gave that ten thousand pound to and what their reaction was. So it was myself and James, my husband, and both of us spoke in detail about our fathers who both had mental health issues, and both of us have lost our fathers, James when he was really young, and me nine years ago. It was great, it was cathartic, it was really, really brilliant. And when they said, Oh, ten grand to a charity of your choice, I thought well, it would be really nice to have a local charity. There's so many charities out there, worthy causes and everything. But I wanted to donate and James and I discussed it and knew this was the right thing to do. We gave it to a women's refuge based in Wolverhampton called The Haven. And The Haven takes in women who are fleeing from domestic violence. So, you know, them, their children, two o'clock in the morning, they up in the night, run out the door no, sometimes I listen, listen, just my, to close my, their in you li- know right? i know because my mum was battered exactly so, so, so you you understand yeah. just what it means <laughs> for a woman to have somewhere like that especially when she's got a child in tow to go to and to have some kind of resource or someone a who cares b who have got some kind of facilities to put them up and c can help them to build a new life so but ten thousand yeah. pounds must have it must have sent them back. They must have gone. They cried. You, they must have cried. Their they eyes cried. Out. It they is cried. a monumental sum of money for a charity. For a charity, nature. which is, you know, local. Local. 
local not, charity. Not these NGOs or, or that kind of thing. No, exactly. And it all you went know, to them. That's the point. It, every single every penny. Every penny went go- to them. And we knew the work that they would do because I'd been to visit the Haven. You know, they've got a secret location and everything. And I'd been to see what they do, how they fund these women and the, the toys and the, the clothes that people locally will donate and all of that. And I just thought, this is wonderful. And do you, do you ever sometimes think, you might not have, I don't know, do you ever sometimes think that your work just in, in general, I say work, obviously it's your hobbies or your passion. I think yeah. you do the, I mean, if nobody paid you a penny to ever do anything again, oh, you'd sing, sing all day long. Yeah. I, mean, this is, I do the, sing all day long, drive people yeah. mad. But <laughs> I don't think you drive them mad. I think without question, that's what you're born to do. But talking about mental health as well, have you ever thought about that actually? Because music, I, I genuinely believe that like exercise, I think music and exercise, especially combined, I think in terms of lifting somebody from a fog, mm. that that even by themselves are, are great, but certain music literally can take you from winter to spring at least, if not summer. Absolutely And are you conscious correct. of that when you're, when you're writing sometimes or whatever? That actually- I'm, I'm completely conscious of it. When I lost my best friend Tyrone in 2003, he had the advanced stages of HIV and then he got one of the horrible illnesses and that sadly he died of. It was music that enabled me to pull myself back together and keep going. And then I wrote the album Affirmation very much with Tyrone in mind. And then when dad died, we literally sang our way through the moment of his death on the 10th of, of September, 2010, up to the funeral and during the funeral and at the graveside when the last bit of earth was put on top, we sang our way through That's it. Beautiful. I say we because I come from a very musical of course, family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, my, my family couldn't have sang their way through it. I no. tell you that now. I mean, we we sang all the way through. That was how we got through. That was. Our, Do you know? It's so strange. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it was almost like a year to the day yeah. where I lost my mum and you lost your dad. Look at that. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's, it was a funny. It's a funny old time, yeah. uh, to say yeah. the least. And it's just, and, and that, I do remember every time September hits, I'm very conscious of, obviously, my mom's yeah. passing ten years ago. But also, it'd be, I immediately become very conscious. Yeah, uh, I always of, of your have pro- that. There's always yeah. something around in this in the September thing before Juicy but and building it was no easy feat to say. No, it was, it was, I know it was, it so, was hard, so hard, so stressful. Yeah. So, but what I used to do, I used to stay in this very rundown B&B over the road while it was being built. And it was hard to say the least. And I remember one morning in particular, I was not good. I was not in a good place. Right, mm. mate? I was just like stressed. I put on my headphones. I thought I'd go for a run. It's a beautiful environment. It's by the River de Desiree. Yeah. And I remember, I thought, Do you know, what? I'm going to put a bit of bev on, right? And I just remember it was your rendition of take another little piece of my heart. Oh yeah. And, and I remember, I mean, it sounds corny now, but I remember I was, I was crying a little bit during it and mm. I was just running around and it all of a sudden it lifted me because I just went, Actually, this is, doesn't matter how stressed you are. Look at this, what you're about to build, or what you're about to do this. And of yeah. course, hearing your voice reminded me of the retreat that the, we hired, course, that we didn't own everything course. else. But of course, you had your health challenge last Big year. Big health challenge. Well, it was, I was gonna, it was a huge health challenge. Big health challenge. And it's indiscriminate. That came along and hit somebody who is very healthy, you know, already. So it just yeah. so sometimes it's indiscriminate. Do you want to share? Yeah, I don't know if you want to share or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, so what? Yeah, what, I when, think it's important that people know. Um, and, and, and just some of my thoughts on it. So I had uterine fibroids. So I had these great big benign masses growing in my uterus, in my womb. I mean, massive, like the size of oranges. So I had a, you know, a nice little collection of oranges sitting in my uterus. And it, how and did it you know was, that? Was that, did, did, I felt a little lump <laughs> on the lower part of my, of my tummy, kind of low down towards my groin and thought, what's that? I thought, no, hernia, no, I'm doing the bodyguard. 
No, I can't have a hernia while I'm doing the bodyguard. That's terrible. I'm going to deal with this later. Uh, but I thought I'd better check it out. Went to the hospital. This was in Toronto in Canada where I'm literally starring in the bodyguard. And they took my blood pressure and said, you're not going anywhere. I was like, well, you're not about. They said, your blood pressure's 200 and whatever, 30 something over 100. And I was like, what? No, it isn't. Like, yes, it is. And yes, it could be related to suspected fibroids. So the first thing they needed to do is get my blood pressure under control. They did that with drugs. Hated it, but that was the case. Then they did all the um, examinations, did an ultrasound and said, you've got six huge fibroids. They're pushing against your urethra, which is sending the wrong messages to your kidney, which is sending the wrong messages to your brain, which is shooting your blood pressure through the roof. Mm. How you haven't had a stroke, we don't know. And I'm sitting there like, what the hell? What, <laughs> what the am I hell? To, yeah. Are you kidding? Me? Me? Yeah. Oh, so, nah, 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 nah. So I had to get myself through the duration of starring in The Bodyguard because I didn't want to not do The Bodyguard because so I was having too much of a good time. But it was a challenge, to say the least. Actually, I felt all right when I had the blood pressure through the roof. The minute the drugs were introduced, I felt terrible. Got home, had the operation. Yay, freedom. Then it was, okay, I got to get myself back. And um, after the op, immediately, I couldn't even cough, let alone hold a note. So I was like, oh my God, this is really scary. I've never in my life not been able to sing or to have the support of my body to sing. I've always been able to just sing, you know, when I felt like singing. Luckily, James, knowing a lot about health, nutrition, wellness, together we we were like, we're going to get through this. So light, air, grounding, getting out, moving so that I didn't have the internal scarring as well as the scar that I had because it was a total abdominal hysterectomy. Wow, so they Jesus. had to cut me open, yep. not keyhole. Seven weeks later, went on holiday just to, you know, recover. And Because um, that holiday helped a lot. You uh, went yeah. to the Carib uh, Caribbean. Went to, yeah, I went to Turks and Caicos. Yeah. And by the end of the holiday, I was running. I was yeah. swimming just to help my stomach muscles. And then I was running and Because I couldn't believe good. how you were because you came to, I think, Juicy Oasis even straight, after, after, straight after that. Straight after we and, came to And to it you. was almost unbelievable that, that you'd had the operation that, you know, yeah. so recently and everything yeah. else. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, really. Do you know what I mean? But it, that is testament to having health maintained over and like over said, the years. Right, yeah, the right sunshine, the right, you know, there's, there's several elements, aren't several there? Elements, there's several light, elements, light, air, movement, wellness, everything inside of you is saying, just sit here and don't move. Just sit here <laughs> and don't move. But of course, that's when complications Absolutely, set in. you got to move. And how are you now? And now, normal, probably better. No, probably better than you were before. <laughs> yeah. I've got this, I call it my little second smile, the scar. Yeah. And it's there. And that just serves to remind me that I am not superwoman. No, yeah, exactly. We all think we're immortal or super before yeah. something like that happens. Exactly. By the way, in the background, oh my husband James is, is holding his arms up like he's, he's immortal. He's giving it the Hulk. Never did I dream in a million years. Not only would you be coming on a retreat <laughs> at some point, but also at the same time that we'd be here. And either the Olympic, you, I mean, I'm just reading all this stuff. I mean, not only uh, seventh studio album was, was Soul UK and your Paralympic opening ceremony that you that sang out. That was nuts. That was nuts. 
<laughs> that was crazy. Does that rank as one oh, of the... Well, that's one of the best things I ever did. There's like 80,000 people there and I'm singing. I'm closing the whole of the opening ceremony. So I'm singing I Am What I Am. And they'd asked me to do a special vocal arrangement of that song so the crowd could join in. So I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get 80,000 people to sing, most of which probably are not singers. I've got to do something they can sing really easily. And then on the night... To see that happen, and I'm like, 80,000 people are joining in, singing with me, and I I actually vocally arranged this. And then I'm like, hold on a minute, no, one billion people yeah, I was are watching say, it this was, <laughs> around the world. See, that was, a, and that was also a nice little, hey, I'm here to the world. Yeah, that it kind was. Of thing, which, is, which is where you're going now. Yeah. Prince. So my Prince story, my Prince story is mad. It starts in 2007 where he's doing his 21 nights at the O2 or his team ask if I would open for him. Yeah. Lifelong (laughs) Prince fan. Yeah. So I do it. I do my set. Um, as I'm coming off stage, me and the band, all his band are there and they're applauding me off the stage, which I thought, Oh God, that's really sweet. Thank you. And then as I turn to go into my dressing room, I feel someone grab me and spin me around to face them. And it's Prince. And he says, I want you to do my after shows. So will you hang around and do the after show tonight? I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'll do it. (laughs) Didn't know what to expect, but I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Did the after show. He comes and joins me doing my song, Keep This Fire Burning. So he's joining in in guitar. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) This happens four times. I do the after show. So I keep coming back to the O2 to sing with him. After he's done his main performance, you know, his party performance, I come and join him for that. And then... I think my life can get no better. But fast forward to February 2008, I get a phone call from his team saying, um, yeah, this is like Tuesday. Yeah, Prince wants you to come to LA this weekend. Can you come? I'm like, oh, uh, uh, okay. So I, I get on a plane to LA. I don't know why I'm going. He wants me there. So I'm like, okay. I'm in the hotel. I still don't know why I'm there. The penny drops that it's the Oscars weekend and the great and good of Hollywood and all these people are kind of buzzing around this hotel. And then there's me from Wolverhampton. I'm like, this is not. <laughs> and, um, and then Prince has his security phone me and says, get ready. We're going out tonight. Why am I here? Someone tell me why I'm here. So I, I get myself ready. I've, I've got a friend of mine who does makeup for Mary J. Blige. So I'm like, DeAndre, please, can you do my makeup? I'm going out with Prince. And he's like, I'm coming, girl. So he does my makeup. And I still don't know why I'm here. Prince phones me and we're on the phone for an hour. And I'm no clearer by the end of the phone call. We talk music. We talked all kinds of stuff. Um, but not why we're here. Um, so anyway, car comes to pick me up takes me to Elton John's house for his Oscars party, as you do. So I'm there with all these big A-listers and me and Prince. And then was there for a bit. And then he says, I'm going to take you to a real party. (laughs) So we get out, driving his limo through the Hollywood Hills, arrive at this big mansion, which is Prince's rented mansion. Basically, he's throwing his own party there's food and that. And I'm still like, I really don't know why I'm here. What is this all about? Other than he's thrown me here to have a party. Great, fine. Then all these Oscar winners start turning up. Javier Bardem. Oh, come on. With Penelope Cruz. The Coen brothers had won the Oscar for No Country for it's Old, old Men. Great film. That's why Javier Bardem was there. Chris Tucker, Wesley Snipes, Spike Lee, Kate Beckinsdale. She's beautiful. Rachel Weiss. All these people turn up. 
Prince's band are like, yeah, okay, so we're going on stage in about 20 minutes. I'm like, you are. <laughs> so I was like, okay, right, fine. So we got, <laughs> we got on stage, we jammed for two hours and Prince during, I can't remember what song it was we were jamming, no set list. I'm just vibing because luckily I know his back catalogue. Of course, he just yeah, I do as back. well. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Would you? <laughs> you just know it's true. If they said anybody else's back catalogue, I might struggle. But, um. but <laughs> I was lucky, you know. And he's playing and he then he leans back and goes, we're going to do rock steady. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to hand you the mic. Rocksteady Aretha Franklin, the yeah, late Yeah, not Hey You, the Rocksteady crew, in case people No, are not Hey You, the Rocksteady crew. <laughs> no, Rocksteady, the, the, the late great Aretha Franklin's big funky song. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So he hands me the mic. The band changed the groove. He's obviously leading it. And I grab the mic. Me, just little me from Wolverhampton. All these Oscar winners with their statuettes still in their hands. And I'm like, rock steady, baby. That's what I feel now. And Prince is on the guitar jamming and the band's behind Sorry, me. Sorry, how did that go again? Did you <laughs> get that? No, we, no, no I'm, I'm sure I, I didn't quite get it. I did. How did it go? You did it a little. went. Yeah, go on. Rock steady, baby. That's what I feel now. Let's call this song exactly what it is. And it goes on. Oh, my God. Come on, people. In here. Come on, people. In here. Are we going crazy? Just a little oh, snippet of the night. So we sang that and then he got the crowd to chant my name, which you can imagine, like, ridiculous. But the coda to this, the postscript to the story, which still blows my mind after that blew my I was mind. Say, it's not all that. No, there's more. Okay. There's more. So I go back to where his background singers are singing. And then I'm aware of someone being led through the crowd to the stage, like a makeshift stage where we are. And it's someone being led by someone else. It's Stevie Wonder. No. <laughs> Stevie Wonder. He's led to the stage. He's taken to the keyboards, which are to my left, Prince's centre. I'm just behind Prince on the mic. And then we go into a whole little Stevie Wonder section. Of course you do. Which what, is Why wouldn't you? And actually recently you've been, you've been touring a bit of Stevie Wonder. And stuff, then I did you? a yeah. yeah, did a tour where I was singing the songs of Stevie Wonder. I'd met him just previous to that, me and James, and I told him I was doing it. And he said, Did you he think of the Oscar it. party, right? So there you are with Prince yeah. and everything else, and you've got Stevie Wonder, everything else, and you thought to yourself at that point, life can't get any better. And yeah. then you come to Juicy Oasis. And exactly. you suddenly realize, no, at that point, you suddenly realize that actually life, <laughs> life is wonderful. <laughs> I've got to say, Juicy has been brilliant because there's so many things that I have got myself mentally prepared for, as well as physically prepared, while I've been at Juicy. No one knew I was doing the bodyguard when I first did the bodyguard back in 2013. I had the script while we were around the pool. I, I was learning my script at the pool, you know, kind of looking, making sure no one could see what it was. And, that and, was a great yeah. show. I mean, I know it's said, but it was the bodyguard. I would. I even had a show. really bad back then. I remember. I remember, <laughs> I remember how severe that. that was. And we went out for dinner after, and it was uh, Kate. But it was actually my Kate's birthday. Kate's I remember, birthday, yeah. yeah. And I remember going down there, and it was one that was in so much pain. And I thought, I, oh, I had a back spasm, which I get every now and then. I, thought, oh, I can't make it. No. But you know what? It's amazing what can take the pain away. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you're yeah, singing Whitney Houston tracks. You're like, oh my god, this is absolutely incredible. <laughs> it was mad. Um, so listen, I listen. I can't thank you. You're so busy. It's incredible. And no wonder you're. 
healthy lifestyle fitness regime. And of course, you're very lucky because you've got uh, James to your side as well, who studies this yeah. stuff as well and everything else. Yeah, he does. Um, so, you know, you're, you guys really know this subject inside now. But not only do you know it, but you do it, which is, they're two different things, right? Yeah. To say, to say the very least. You're pretty much the only people I know that I, that I hang around with where I feel like I need to improve my diet. So oh. it's, one, it's one of those, do you know oh, no. what I mean? BK25, obviously, now, but there's so much more going on. As Beverly yeah. said, you just want to smash the world. For you, this is the beginning. It yeah. feels like the beginning. And it isn't the beginning. I mean, my God, look at what you've done, what you've achieved, everything else. <laughs> Most people hang their boots up and you're like, no way. Actually, I'm ready for the next phase. And it really feels like that. The next just phase. The next phase. Yeah. So listen, follow Beverly on all social media channels. Keep an eye. Uh, every time she sings anything, I'll be reposting it and everything <laughs> else because it is, it is. And when you do here, if you go onto BBC to a Zoe Ball show and you try and find these clips, it, it will baffle you in some ways, genuinely baffle you as to why genuinely the entire world doesn't know. This is a rare, rare, I'm not saying it because I know, but ever since the day one, I've always said it's bad. It is a very, very rare talent. There's singers, there's, the, the equivalent of football would be there's footballers, there's premiership footballers, then there's Ronaldo and Messi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you're, are, yeah, and yeah. that's the point. You're oh, the equivalent you. in your industry of a Ronaldo or a Messi. Wow. And, there, and, there aren't, it's and I like football, so that, and, that uh, but means a lot to me. But there me. aren't many Thank of them. You. There's it's a certain je ne sais quoi. There's something extra that you can't put your finger on. Nobody quite knows what it is. But I tell you, Jeff Corblon knew that the other morning. When, when <laughs> his he was, little when, face, when bless his, him. His little face, bless him. I mean, he must have gone, oh. I've been on this planet so long. I've seen just about everything. I'm even Jurassic Park never had me this, <laughs> this you know, whatever the case is. Uh, thank you all for listening. And of course, thank you very much for the one, the only Beverly Live. Thank, thank you, you. Thank thank you, you very much. for having me. Thank you.